all this last week, I've just been just talking to God, saying, Lord, what do you want me to, what message do you want me to bring? What do you want me to minister this morning? And he just kept giving me two passages of Scripture. And that was it. He just kept giving me these two passages of Scripture. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And so over the last couple of days, he began to, Holy Spirit began to kind of knit them together a little bit for me. And I want to talk about what you do when you're at the bottom. Or we'll call it, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Or for those of y'all that don't understand that, just understand pure, plain speech, what do you do when it sucks? <laughs> Anybody ever been somewhere where they're in a situation they didn't know what to do with it? Yes. Had no idea what to do? Yes. See, here's the thing is... uh. For anybody who's been kind of talked into thinking that, like I tell you all, Christianity is blow pops and unicorns, it still gets rough if you're a Christian. You're still going to go through seasons where it's difficult. Hey, Bubba, how you doing, Bubba? Get to call you Bubba and Bubba. I saw you sneak in back there now. It's good to see you. Yeah, I, I didn't see you when you come in. So note to self, don't ever turn your back to Bubba. Hey, listen, though, I'll just tell you something. At the, the Thanksgiving potluck, y'all need to go ahead and just start hitting Bubba up right now to bring banana pudding. Because if you ain't ever eat Bubba's banana pudding, so Bubba, that's the order. We're going to have that night of Thanksgiving on that. Your, the order is the Bubba brings banana pudding. So, if you, huh? Jason says bring two. Yeah. If you like banana pudding, you're going to like Bubba's banana pudding. But, I mean, anybody named Bubba ought to be able to cook banana pudding. I mean, that's... Sorry, that's one of them distracted moments. Squirrel run across the sanctuary. But you get in situations sometimes, and you just don't know what to do. Like I said, being saved, man, it means you're going to heaven, but sometimes on life it's still tough. You still find find yourself in places that you don't want to be. Have you ever found yourself in a place that you don't want to be because of nothing outside of your, it was outside of your control. You didn't do it. Yeah? I mean, listen, if it's my fault, okay. And I mean, I, I just, y'all know I'm, I'm an honest dude. About 90% of the time, the trouble I find myself in is my fault. But sometimes it's not. And that's when it's really miserable. When it actually, honest to God, is not your fault. Now, not when you say it's not your fault, not when you try to convince yourself it's not your fault, not when you rationalize away that it's not your fault. Listen, if the troubles in your life are not 90% your fault, you're lying to yourself, okay? So, but the 10%, that 10% that's not your fault, not the ones you blame on somebody, not the ones you blame on your wife or your husband, but those times when it's not your fault, those to me are the toughest times. Because you're just sitting there and you're like, how did I... And so then you're into, you find yourself faced with some options. Unfortunately, in my life, and I know y'all are all better than me, but I find myself regularly grumbling and complaining. Or punching at the air. Anybody ever get mad you punching at the air? 
You're angry. You're all, you, you're, you're lashing out, but you ain't hitting nothing. Well, I, I guess I'm the only one ever done that. You ain't hitting nothing, but you're lashing out because what? you don't know what to do. So you're just irritated. When I was younger, man, I used to like to fight. And when you got aggravated, you just go find you somebody to fight with. She's like, oh, my goodness. You raised two girls. You don't know nothing about that. That's a whole different deal. Yeah, you can have that. <laughs> but, yeah, when we, when we was, you know, you, you find somebody to fight with. Yeah. But now you can't go doing that. Yeah, but you understand, you can smack one of your friends and the next day be fine with them. It didn't matter. You get into a full-on fist cuff, rolling around on the ground, and the next day be like, all right, whatever. When we was growing up, me and Jay and Wayne and all of them, we fight with each other. But if anybody fought one of us, that was a bad decision. We, we, could, we could beat upon our cousins all we wanted to, but nobody else was allowed to. That's really a that's thought for another day. Except for one of them. We had one cousin we probably let him beat up. We'd have probably helped. I ain't going to say his name because... Oh, Jay knows. Everybody knows. But you find yourself in these situations and you're frustrated. You don't know what to do. Everything you think about doing doesn't work. Anybody ever been there? And it just feels like it presses down on you. You know, the most miserable thing in the world is pressure. Pressure you can't get out from under. You ever just felt like you were being suffocated by pressure? Anybody ever felt like suffocated by a circumstance? Well, that's going to be good then. At least I'm not alone. I want to read something to you out of, uh, out of 2 Timothy real quick. We're going to pull two scriptures together that I've never pulled together in my life. I didn't pull these together. Holy Ghost did, thank God. Me preaching without the Holy Spirit is horrible. I've done it a time or two, and it was terrible. I hated it, and so did everybody listening. Second <laughs> Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says, this is Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. That is why I remind you. Actually, I'll tell you what's starting 5 real quick. I just, I just love verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. I remember your sincere and unqualified faith, the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ, with confident trust in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and faith, which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am confident that it is in you as well. I love that. I just like the verse because it's such a legacy verse. So you got the same thing your grandmama had and your mama had. Verse 6 says this, That is why I remind you to fan into flames the gracious gift of God. That inner fire, the special endowment which is in you through the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. And see, now verse 7 gets quoted all the time, but if you look, it starts with a 4. Yes? See, everybody likes to, immediately people say, for God is not given, but the four means it's connected to the verse we just read. 
It says, listen, I, I, he says, I am reminding you to fan into a flame that which is inside you. See, the reason he used this language is, see, a lot of times the language in the Bible doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we live in a modern world. Yes? But in the world he's writing this in, the center of everything going on within a home would have been the fire. If you did not have fire in your home, you did not have warmth, you did not have the ability to cook, you did not have purified water, you did not have the ability to live without that fire that was in the home. And so he told Timothy, he said, on the inside of you, within you, within the tabernacle, within the domicile, within the dwelling place, there is a fire. But you have a responsibility to fan it into a flame. See, what would happen in that home is they would leave the coals in a dormant state. They didn't have the fire running all the time. But they kept such a hot bed of coals because it was always in the same place in the center of the house that all that had to happen was they had to go in and blow a little breeze across it. And all of a sudden in the home they now have a flame. So he tells Timothy, he said, I know on the inside of you, Christian, I know on the inside of you, there is a bed of hot coals. But what you have to do is you have to fan that into a flame. See, when you're in a situation to where things are dark and things are difficult and you need some fire, the responsibility for the fire is not God's. He already put it there. It's mine. What am I fanning? Do my words dump cold water on my flame? Or am I speaking life that fans that coal? How many times in your life have you been going through a tough situation and you allowed the words of your mouth to extinguish the hot coals rather than fan the coals? That build the fire. But he says all this. He says, listen, Timothy, don't forget, you got to do some fanning on your flame. And then he says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear. Huh. Seem odd. He says, hey, you've got this faith. You've got this fire on the inside of you. You got to fan the flames, but you can't. You got to realize God didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity. He didn't give you the backing up spirit. See, he says that because he says when you're walking through difficult times, you've got everything you need to light the way, to heat the way, but you can't back up. See, the problem is this when you're in the tough time, you know what we do? Crawl into a hole. We crawl into a hole. You know why the devil's best trick is to isolate you? You know why it is? Because it gets you to crawl into that hole. To withdraw. See, you can't, you can't mail it in in the Christian faith. If you start coasting in your life, your life will coast out of control. If you attempt to mail it in, well, maybe one day it'll get better. I got news for you, baby. It won't. It won't. 
All that will happen is with every time, every passing moment of timidity and lack of boldness, all that will happen is the coals get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. See, if you keep your coals right, all it takes is a little... But see now, when your coals get low enough, you got to go find wood. You got to bring tinder in there. You got to put fresh tinder on the fire. You got to start blowing on the fire. Some of y'all got to get gasoline and drop a gasoline bomb on the fire. But he says, listen, he says, you cannot walk in fear and fan your flames. You can't be timid and fan the flames. He says, Timothy, you got to fan those flames, fan that fire until it's flaming hot, until it's flamed up. And it's, in our lives, how many times do you ever say, I just don't feel anything spiritually? It's your own fault. It's my own fault. You know why? Because I'm not fanning it into a flame. On the inside of every believer is that bed of coal. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? But he connects those verses. Let's read the rest of that. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind with self-control. He said he didn't give you fear. He gave you a well-balanced, sound mind. He gave you power. He gave you love. But he said, you can't operate in that unless you're willing to fan that flame. See, I have people all the time, they say, I just wish I didn't walk in fear. Well, you got to fan the flame. See, you can't come to church and get a little bit of breeze of the Holy Spirit and think that's going to remove all the fear from your everyday normal life. You're not going to, just because you're bold in church, don't mean you're going to be bold in life. You've got to constantly, consistently fan that flame to keep that boldness there, to keep that spirit of fear removed. See, here's what happens you get in that low, that low, that low, and you know what happens? Fear grabs. You know the worst part of the low spots? The what ifs. You know what will kill you in the low spots? The what ifs. What if they don't respond the way I want them to? What if I never get out of this? What if this is my life for the rest of my days? Those are crushing what ifs. Those are crushing. What if I always have to deal with this? But he didn't give us the spirit of the what ifs. He gave us power. And an apostle of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somebody help me preach over there. I love when you hand that to Cody like Cody knows anything about technology. <laughs> you might as well hand that mess to me. Yeah, you might as well hand it to me. I couldn't figure it out neither. If you handed it to me, I'd walk it straight over to Jason and be like, Jay, fix this. <laughs> Yeah, oh, here, Jason, fix this. Of course, Jason can make two phones tango across the front of a church. I mean, he's, he's the phone whisperer. But he says, Timothy, you're responsible. 
to fan that flame. Everybody loves that verse. But God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but he says, hey, what are you doing to drive the fear away? See, the problem with when you get in the place where you don't know what to do, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't need to do anything. You still got to do something. See, you know, it, it drives me nuts because I see believers, they get in this situation, well, I don't know what to do, so you're just going to sit there and let stuff rain down on your head? Decided to make? You're just going to sit there and cry in your Wheaties? Have a pity party? Feel bad about it? Well, you just don't know how bad I have it, Pastor Johnny. Okay, great. So it's bad. You want to stay there? I'm just gripped with this fear. Well, do you want to keep it? He says, you've got to start to fan what's inside of you. See, here's the thing you have to understand. Boldness is within you. No, not, not, even the ones who don't think it is, inside of each person in this room is holy boldness. Godly boldness. See, what's happened is most people have just suppressed it so long. Swallowed it so long. Pushed it down so long. They're like, I just live in fear. No, you're choosing that. But boldness is that bed of coals. Power is that bed of coals. That sound mind, that peace is that bed of coals. So I just need peace in my life. Well, you better fan it into a flame. You know how you don't fan that into a flame? By feeding on things that give you anxiety. You know how you don't feed boldness? By feeding on things that give you fear, that give you worry. So I'm just struggling with depression. Well, feed on things that bring joy. That's fanning that flame. That's fanning into a flame. When Paul also says, if there be any virtue, think on these things. He goes through a whole list. He says, this, this is what you think on. This is what you utilize. This is what you're supposed to be dwelling on and focusing on. Listen, I can, there are things in my life, if I allow myself, I can raise my own blood pressure. See, this right over here, this is my beautiful wife right here in this blue dress. But you know what? I could make myself thoroughly dislike her if I chose to. All y'all look at me like, you ain't that brave. I am that brave. Watch this. You know why? Let me tell you how I could do that. Same way you could do it with your spouse or anyone else. I could focus on only the things I don't like about her. I could focus on only the things that I don't like about her. And you know what? Before long, I would thoroughly dislike being around her and being in her presence. Because I could decide what I wanted to fan. I could decide what I wanted to fan. Because the coals for either are there. But which one would I choose to fan? But instead, I love her so much, man, by the second day of Kentucky, I was ready to come home, man. Listen, these boys, they all, they all ugly and stink. My wife is beautiful and soft, and she smells delightful. I'm like, fellas, I'm ready to go to the house. I told them, like, day three, I'm like, boys, I want to go home. I miss my wife. bad listen man Mm -mm, not me Bubba I ain't trying to leave I, I like I like listen 
I like being around my wife at the house. If I didn't like being around her, I wouldn't stay there. I love being around my wife. But I try my best to focus on the things about my wife that I love. I'm grateful she does the same thing with me because, but there is a lot of material to work with on things <laughs> to not like about me. Lot, listen, she got lots of material. Lots of material. I know I live with me. But you got to fan that. You got to fan that. You got to fan that. You fan the things that you want to be. See, I get, I, most, of my, most of my pastoral life has been listening to people tell me about things they don't want to be. Rick, would you agree most of pastoral counseling is listening to people tell you what they don't want to have happen? What they don't want, how, what they don't like? See, here's the problem is that's the flame they're fanning. It's the flame they're fanning. Listen, you may be in a marriage, you may have the sorriest spouse in all the world. And every time that happens and you say that, you fan that flame. Instead of get up in the morning and, and, and speak over that person, over that spouse, what you believe them to be in the Word of God. And you fan that flame. I don't know why I parked there for a minute. We'll, just, we'll park there for a minute. Why not? Let me get a sip of water. I'm not done with that yet. I don't know why I'm stuck in that, in that vein, but I guess the Holy Ghost just wants to stay there a minute. We have that, the Bible says we have the ability to call those things that be not as though they were. Sometimes we allow the circumstances we find ourselves in to shape the words that we speak, to shape the perspective that we hold, and I think sometimes more importantly to shape our attitudes. You ever had somebody at work or somebody in your life that drove you nuts? Anybody ever had somebody drove you nuts? Well, I'm going to tell you what happens to us. It's happened to me in my life many times. Is the flame that I choose to fan that grows into a forest fire is all the bad. And before long, what happens is that person can't do anything good. I mean, even the good things they do. I would find something wrong with. And then what happens is it destroys my testimony to that person. I, I got to move. I can't camp out there. I'm going to get stuck. I'll go to Acts 16. I got to get where I want to get. And I love this because this is, this is, in Timothy, Paul's writing to his spiritual son. He says, he says, listen, be sure you fan the flames. Be sure you fan the flames. Be sure you fan the flames so that you can operate not in fear but in boldness. And, and here, here's something I want to I share something with you that will help you for the rest of your life. Y'all ready? If you don't hear nothing else, hear what I'm fixing to tell you. Don't ever take advice from someone who has not lived what they're telling you. Don't go take advice from somebody because just because they're, oh, this is what I think the Bible says about it. Take advice from someone who has lived 
what they tell you. Don't take marital advice from someone with a sucky marriage. Plain and simple. Don't, don't take business advice from someone who don't own one. Don't take parenting advice from someone without kids. Don't take money advice from someone who's broke. See, it all sounds pretty simple, but the truth about the matter is we get everybody's stupid advice, and most of them are as big a, have as big a mess in their life as we do. If you're getting marital advice from someone who's on their sixth marriage, don't do that. <laughs> I would avoid that. Don't, it's like taking business advice from someone who's bankrupted seven businesses. Seems pretty basic. Unless that advice is, hey, don't do any of these things. The only advice you can take from them is what you should not do. But I love this because you're fixing to see the Apostle Paul put into practice what he wrote to Timothy. Because so many times in our lives, we have things we're going through and everybody wants to tell us. See, when you really get in a bind and you really get in a fix, everybody will come out of the woodwork to tell you what to do. My, my grandma used to say, everyone knows what to do with the devil but the fellow who's got him. Everybody has their opinion on how you if, you're, if you, if you go through something that lasts a long period of time, they'll all tell you what to do about it. Everybody in your family will tell you how to handle it. Ain't none of them got sense God gave a billy goat. They don't know what they're talking about. You say, y'all, no, my family's smart. They ain't, yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is that lovely unsolicited advice. That's even better. Yeah. I know you didn't ask, but here's what I would do about it. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, whenever you get in a situation, you do that about it till then. Shut up, leave me alone. So, I, you know, I feel bad for people in life who are bashful and won't tell people shut up and go away. Y'all have to deal with a lot of mess. Y'all need to just carry that around in your pocket on your phone with me saying, hey, shut up and go away, and y'all can just play it. Yeah. Y'all need a Pastor Johnny app that just says, hey, hush, go away. It's like Brandy and I, we're going to go over somewhere and look at this little piece of furniture she wants to buy for somebody online at the house. This afternoon, I told her yesterday, I said, that's fine, we'll go over there. I said, we need a code for if you don't like it. I said, I need a code for if you don't like it. She goes, why? I said, because you'll buy it. Because you won't tell them no. And I'll end up with some big old stupid piece of furniture that I don't want. So I need you to come up with a code because I'll just look at it and say, no, that's ugly. I don't want that. But I told her, I said, I, we need a code. We need a code word for the fact that you don't like this because my wife should be like, she won't tell them, oh, that, no, I don't, that won't work for nothing. She'll just be like, oh, okay, we'll just pay them. And I'm like, no, I won't do that. I don't want to buy something I don't, we don't want. <laughs> Loading in the back of the truck, getting the truck. Brandy would be like, I hate that thing. And I'd be like, why did we buy it? She'd be like, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I'm telling you, I know the struggle is real for some people. They're like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I mean, just because it's ugly and built terrible and falling apart, I don't want to hurt their feelings about it. So I'm the feeling hurter. It don't matter to me. So I'm like, you just come up with a code word and be like, I'll be like, no, thank you. We don't want that. 
And so, uh, yeah. But Paul writes this because Paul is living this. My daddy used to say, you don't ever want to be in a foxhole with someone who ain't never been to war before. We mentioned fighting earlier. I never wanted to be in a fight with somebody who never been in a fight. I really don't ever be in a fight with somebody who had their butt kicked. I'm being dead serious. I don't ever want to, if, if you ain't never had your butt kicked, I don't want to get in a fight with you because I don't know how you're going to get up. So I ain't never had my butt kicked. There's somebody somewhere that'll do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Grandma, you say, where there's a bear, there's a bear catcher. <laughs> but here's Paul in Acts 16. So Paul and Silas are ministering the gospel. And as is the usual form for Paul, he gets beat with sticks. And they throw rocks at him and attempt to stone him. And they put him in jail. You know, every time I start feeling sorry for myself, I think about the Apostle Paul. Every time I start thinking sorry, I feel feeling sorry for myself, and the Apostle Paul can write these verses, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And basically, to paraphrase at the end, he said, who can mess with me? He said, I have, I, he said, I can show you the scars, scars from the gospel. He said, who's going to mess with me? Bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So Paul, here he sits in prison, him and Silas. And, and because they're so upset about the preaching of the gospel, they tell him, they said, put them in the bottom of the jail. Put them in the bottom of the jail. And they put they, they bound their feet in stocks. They, 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 had them, they had them like this where they couldn't even... Come here a second now. Sit, sit down here on the floor. Stretch your feet out. Now put your hands in front of your feet, like, like above your... Uh, no, not all the way. Like, 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 like just stick them out there. Not, straighten your legs. They had them like that right there. This is how they were sitting. Hey, get up on the stage so they can all see you. Hey, Michaela's boyfriend, come here. I don't know your name, so go up, sit by Alex. I need Paul and Silas. All right. Hey, you win points because you got boots on. So he's already got a few points. All right, hands out in front of you. This is what they look like, Paul and Silas. It's miserable, isn't it? It's miserably uncomfortable. So here's the thing. Oh, smile. Apparently she's taking your photo. So, so here sits Paul and Silas in the bottom of the jail. Now, in the bottom of the jail is where the sewer ran. So all around them is the sewage from the entire jail. So y'all just hang out there a minute. So here they're sitting here. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? But, but they're, they're, they're bound like that, can't move, sitting there in the bottom, completely dark, with raw sewage flowing all around them. In the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. They didn't do anything wrong. They simply preached the gospel. 
They didn't, they didn't offend anybody on purpose. They did not steal anything. They didn't rob anyone. They didn't kill anyone. But here they sit, and, and, and they're in a worse position. Now, you're talking about how unfair it was. They're placed in a worse position in the jail for preaching the gospel than the murderers. They're so far down that they've got murderer sewage flowing around them. Order to stay there. With a jailer watching them. And so the Paul who wrote to Timothy, fan the flame. Fan the flame. He and Silas do something that ain't a person in this room would do. And this is why we don't do well at the bottom. Because at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, what do they do? They begin to sing hymns and praises to God. Said in the midnight hour, from this position, they begin to worship. Now, they weren't worshiping because folks was watching. They weren't worshiping because they looked good doing it. They're covered in bruises and welts. They're bleeding all over. Said they had been beaten with sticks. Had rocks thrown at them. Bruised. Sitting in sewage. Worshiping. Worshiping. You know what everybody around them was doing? Griping. Complaining. You know what we'd have been doing? You know how I know that? Because when we go through a situation that's not anywhere close to the situation these two guys find themselves in right here, what do we do? Gripe, complain, woe is me, look for somebody who can possibly tell us how to get out of the situation. Now see, you got to understand something else. I'm going to read to you the rest of what happened. They didn't know that. They didn't know what was fixed to happen. All they knew was Paul was fanning the flames in the worst situation of his life. He was blowing fresh air across those coals, and he was building that fire on the inside of him that said, though I'm sitting in sewage, God is still God. See, where we make our first mistake when we end up in... Y'all can go sit down. I know that's miserable. I mean, since you're new, I almost made Silas hang out a while longer. But <laughs> you already you already heard Alex sing this morning. What's your name? Dustin. I don't know if Dustin can sing or not. Dustin says absolutely not. Well, next time they're sitting in actual sewage, they can sing together. <laughs> Dustin can sing. You write songs, but you don't sing. That's true. You, do you sing your own demos? Oh, okay. Well, then you write. You can't. Then you then you then you can't sing. So that's fine. Actually, I I really don't care that much. She's just worried about it for some reason. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want to do it, we'll make it Paulina and Silas, and you can sing along with them. <laughs> When's that ever slowed down? <laughs> I feel like that hadn't slowed you down yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like that hadn't slowed you down yet, so why are we starting now? 
But now watch this. So here they sit. Now watch. Now watch. Have you ever wondered why sometimes God puts you in those places? See, our problem is we get into a rough, low situation that's not our fault. And you know what we do? Why am I, why, why, why am I having to deal with this? Rather than saying, God, what are you trying to do here? See, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Here's your little secret. You can prove throughout the Bible by going place to place to place. The junk you get yourself in is God using it to teach you something. The junk somebody else puts you in is God's fixing to use you for something. See, we're so busy to want to get out of a situation. We, 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 we put ourselves in it. it we, you, I'll tell you how fast you can get out of a situation you put yourself in. As fast as you can learn the lesson. But when you end up in a situation that you didn't put yourself in, what God's fixing to do is use you mightily in the kingdom of God to do something awesome. But it still depends on how you choose to react in that circumstance. But see, God will put you at the bottom because God doesn't work at something from the top down. God works at something from the bottom up. Because God is in a building mindset. Terry, you built a lot of buildings in your life. Did you ever start with a roof? You never started with a roof, did you? And the most important thing of any building you've ever built is what? Foundation. So see, what God does is God will put you in a place where he's fixing to shake something foundational in either your life or someone else's life. But we hate the low spots. We run from the low spots. But see, God was fixing to, if you read on, God was fixing to radically shake that jail. Yes? But he needed somebody who carried the presence of God to be at the bottom. It's because he trusts you that much. When God puts you at the bottom of a circumstance, it's because He trusts you enough to carry and to tabernacle the presence of God to affect the change that He is going to affect. The parts we run from are the parts God looks at as a promotion. We run from the tough spots, but God says, hey, that's where I need my strongest warrior. That's where I need my most trusted warrior. So he puts him at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom because God intended to shake that whole prison. Well, he didn't shake it from the roof. He didn't shake half a wall. God, how about just shaking it from the mountaintop so I ain't got to go to the valley? God, how about just shaking it without me having to have the hard time? Oh, I'll just lay it on out there since we've been in this vein anyways. God, shake the situation, but don't make me have to have the hard conversation. God, shake the whole situation, but don't make me have to lay down my pride. You ever been through a situation where what it required was for you to lay down your pride? 
And boy, we'll fight, fight tooth and nail not to have to lay down our pride. But we know in order for God to shake a circumstance, we're going to have to lay down that pride. Oh, it's hard. Boy, that's hard. But God says, I just need to get you here. And I need to get you here. And while you're here, you've got to be fanning that flame. Fanning that, those coals into a flame. And so Paul and Silas, and they sat there, and that, that coals that were sitting there under the surface, they began to allow the Holy Spirit of God to blow across those coals through songs and hymns and praise and worship to God in the most unbelievably horrific situation that they could have possibly found themselves in. Their first inclination was, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do I do when I don't know what to do when I know God's got to shake it or it ain't going to get shook him? Is shook it a word? It is now. <laughs> got to get something shooken. I like shooken. It's a good word. We'll stay with shooken. How does God shake up that circumstance? How does God shake up the circumstances of our lives? How is it that we want God to be able to shake the circumstances of our lives, but we don't want to be in the midst? When the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, you know when the, when the dry land showed up? When the priest put his first toe in. If you're unwilling to go into the midst, don't expect God to be able to shake things up. If Brandon and I have an issue in our marriage, I can't expect God to shake it and mold it and move it if I'm not willing to go into the midst. In your workplace, you can't expect God to shake it on your behalf if you're not willing to go into the midst. Growth happens in the midst. See, Paul could write that to Timothy because he lived it. Paul would write, you follow me as I follow Christ. I've been blessed to have several spiritual sons in my life. And I try my best to only tell them the things that I know. Not the things that I think. Matter of fact, if one of them asks me, what do you think about that? I, I don't. I, if I don't know, I won't tell you. Because you don't need to know what I think. Timothy didn't need to know what Paul thought. When he said, hey, listen, whenever things get tough, Timothy, when you've got a fan of flames, you've still got a fan of flames, whether you're sitting in the poop. Mountaintop or valley? Synagogue or jail? Still got to fan that flame. So why are you telling us all this? Because everybody sitting in this room, you're not spiritually cold. You're not distant from God. You just haven't been fanning the flame. I will guarantee if you take yourself back to the boldest moments of your, of your Christian walk, they were the moments where you were fanning the flame. 
you got up every morning fanning the flame. The moments of my life where I've walked in the most power of God were when I was fanning the flame. The moments of my life where I walked the earth fearless was when I was fanning the flame. The moments of my life that were insulated from circumstance was when I was fanning the flame. You're going to walk through tough circumstances. You're going to find yourself in the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, but you can't sit there and let it beat you. It can't beat you. How many of y'all going through something right now? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Thank you for the ones that are honest. Some of y'all had two hands up. It can't beat you. It can't beat you. It doesn't have the ability to beat you. But what it can do is press you. You're tired of the pressure. I mean, you're tired of the pressure. Constant. Pressing down. Some days you don't feel like you can stand up. But in the bottom of the bottom, see what happened is, y'all just bear with me. You wanted God to shake it up here. And he did. And when it settled back down, the surface was better, but the bottom was still junk. So the next time around, you let him shake it about right here. From there up, got a Band-Aid. From there down, still junk. So this time, God dropped you right here. Then opened a trap door and dropped you again. Then opened two more and dropped you twice more. Because what you want is him to build it on a solid foundation. But he had to shake all the old apart. So he could build what you really want. See, when you feel like you ride the same elevator to the bottom, but you don't quite make the bottom, it's because you won't let God shake it. Here, you can shake this part, God. You can work on this part, but let's leave the other part alone. I don't want to go too deep with the shaking. Oh, I'm talking to some people this morning that have allowed surface fixes too long. I'm talking to some people that have situations in your life where you've let them patch the drywall, but the side of the foundation is falling off into a creek. What God says this morning is, I'll take you to the bottom of the bottom. But what he's going to build back can stand the test of time. But if you want that to happen, you've got to worship in the bottom. 
You've got to worship in the bottom. Listen, if you have, if you have chronic illness in your body, I'm going to talk to you just a minute. You still got to worship when it hurts. I'm going to say this, this right now. God either has healed or is going to heal your left hand. This week. Completely. Because you worship through it. You see, I had in that drum cage, hand hurting, and you honored God. And you worship when it hurts. You worship, oh, come on, now watch this. You worship when the devil's laughing at you. You worship when the devil's laughing at you. Chris, when you get up in the morning and your body hurts and the devil says, uh-huh, see there? You lift your hands to heaven and you worship right there. And you worship in the midst of the pain. You worship in the midst of the difficulty. You worship in the bad report. You worship when the devil laughs. And you think the devil wasn't laughing at Paul and Silas? Oh, here y'all come in here to preach. And now look at you. You worship when the devil laughs at you. You worship when people tell you, just stop believing that. You worship in the middle of Job's wife coming and tell you, just curse God and die. You worship in the middle of all your buddies coming by and saying, my God, what did you do? My Lord, what have you? What kind of hidden sins in your life? That's what happens when you get to the bottom. That's what happens when you get to the bottom. If you're sick in your body, symptoms don't mean anything. Symptoms don't mean anything. It's just like the fig tree. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, they all left out of there. You know what it looked like? Exactly like it did when they got there. Come back by two days later, and Simon Peter said, Lord, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. He was shocked. Jesus was not, because he cursed the life out of it. He told it to dry up, and you know what? It dried up. Even this week, if you feel some pain in that left hand, the devil's a liar. That hand is healed. That hand is healed. You're going to come in here Sunday morning just shouting all the way down the center aisle of this church because God's going to take not just that, but any other arthritis in your body. He's going to take all of it out of there. Matter of fact, this is going to be a healing week in this church. This is going to be a healing week in this church. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a healing week for anyone in this church that's willing to worship even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Even if it's difficult, even if it's a challenge, even if it's uncomfortable, still lift their hands and worship. It's going to be a week. You know what? I just feel this in my spirit. It's going to be a week of breakthrough in this place. But for anybody who's willing in the midst of sitting in the stocks, hands chained to their feet, still be saying, you know what? I may be in the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship when nobody will worship next to me. I'm going to worship when everybody thinks I've lost my mind. I'm still going to worship. That's breakthrough right there. Come on, right there. Yeah, going to worship. Janet, come on. We're going to worship a little bit this morning. Y'all stand to your feet. How many of y'all could use some breakthrough in your life?
Okay, well, that didn't even really sound like y'all are committed to it. How many of y'all could use some breakthrough in your life? You may be, you may be at the bottom, but God's fixing to do a thing. God's fixing to do a thing. Jay, come on over here. You two guys go right over here, if you will. Uh, we're going to worship. We're going to worship in the difficulty. But if you've got something going on specific in your life this morning that you need prayer for, four guys standing right up here, we'll be happy to pray for y'all. But this morning, tell your problem. Your God is bigger. Your God is bigger. Tell your sickness, your pain, your God is bigger. We thank you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy, God. Lord, that you give each of us divine appointments this week, God, to further your kingdom, for your glory, God. I thank you for your unconditional love that pursues us. Lord, that this week, God, that you give each person in the sound of my voice a divine appointment to further your kingdom. God, I speak blessings over the home of every person here. Lord, that you'll bless them in every way, God. You bless them financially, God, physically, God. They'd walk in divine health. If there's any sickness, we bind it, curse it right now in Jesus' name. We curse and bind lack on right now, God, and we just loose the abundance and the favor of God. Lord, that you'd keep us safe till we come together again. We just pray it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hug someone's neck and you can be dismissed.